Petersfield's Shine Radio. Hello, dog lovers, and welcome to this month's episode of Dogs with Jobs. It's August, the nights are starting to draw in a little, there's dew on the grass in the morning. It's that fantastic time of year when uh, it feels like it's full of potential for new things, moving up to the sixth form, that kind of feeling. That's what I've got today. In fact, we're mixing with champions today because we're meeting a wonderful gun dog, nine-year-old gun dog, Drake, who's enjoyed a fantastic amount of success in his career, though it has been a bit of a roller coaster ride, full of disappointment, hope, and ultimate triumph. And uh, the person we're going to be meeting to talk to us about is Jason Mayhew, who is a professional gun dog trainer, so really on top of the subject. And I spent a wonderful couple of hours with him and his wife. Anna in their uh, gorgeous rural fastness on the Cowdery Estate just outside Midhurst and he talked to me all about Drake. Now before we dive into that interview um, just to explain if you're here because of Jason and you know all about gun dogs just excuse the extra little bit of explanation just to bring it alive a little bit for uh, people that don't know anything about gun dogs like me. But to kick off Here is Drake working a little area in a field outside the back of Jason and Anna's cottage, just to give you a flavour for how it sounds to listen to someone working a gun dog. So I'll just show him that second dummy out. I'll stop him in a second and then bring him back. That's amazing. So I'm here with Jason Mayhew, um, fantastically well-respected professional gun dog trainer, and Anna Newley Mayhew. Congratulations on your wedding. Thank you very much. <laughs> when, when I first got in touch about interviewing you, Jason, you said, why don't you come and see what we do? And so I popped up to the Cowdery Estate a you few did. weeks ago and came and stood in on one of your gun dog classes. And I was completely captivated. <laughs> so that day we had uh, used dummy launchers. So these are machines that fire uh, a dummy, uh, which would be the size of your forearm. It weighs probably, I don't know, half a pound and ejected by um, a 2 2 blank. And they all simulate birds coming down up a drive and the dogs have to sit in line or where we put the line. It could be underneath them, it could be to the side. And it's to test their steadiness and their ability to mark birds down. And then we would send them, once the, the driver's finished, we'd send them back up there to go and pick them for us. So so the birds get shot, they come down. Then you're into the retriever side. So they're um, standing there, the people, what we call the picking-up team. The pickers-up could be two, three, four hundred yards back. I mean, one shoot locally around here, we could be almost half-mile back because the birds have set their wings, they're injured, so we need to be in the position to find the wounded game first. Um, and that's where the retrievers come in. So they will be uh, sent off. They will go and find game, find wounded game, bring it to hand for us to dispatch. Mm-hmm. And then they'll go around. As we get closer to the gun line, they'll probably pick more and more and more dead ones. But in that, we still need control. We still need to have the ability to spot a wounded bird that may be running down the field and direct a dog straight to it using whistle and, and commands. You know. And why is that? What this is about is putting food on the plate. So the misconception uh, of what we do is the dog kills the bird. No, 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 no. Let's get absolutely opposite. clear. 
if the dog cracks down on a bird, that is a big no-no, and it therefore renders the meat useless. Mm. And it's important for the chefs that we have. Um, that meat must be come back unpunctured. So they must have a soft mouth. So they gather it and bring back that bird for us to dispatch or put it on, the, on our uh, game cart to be ready well, within a few weeks to be put on the plate. So let's talk about the dogs. Because <laughs> got a few, I am... <laughs> How many dogs have you got between you? Well, we have seven and we have two. Oh my gosh. Uh, one on permanent residence at the moment. So tell me about the star that I've come to talk uh, to you about. Well, oh, your face softens a bit when you say that. Because he's there. There's a very beautiful painting on your wall, on your cottage wall. So of a very so good looking. He's a black Labrador. Black Labrador. He's now eight. He's. Um... And we're going to meet him in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Let's reel back to when you first got Drake. How, how did you get together with Drake? He was the last one in the litter. <laughs> he had this little dot here, white dot. Nobody wanted him. Nobody wanted him. Because of the white dots? Yeah, they, people just <laughs> went black lad and no one wanted him. And, I, and they said, we've got this one here, we're going to give it to you for the work you've done. I said, yeah, because I had his, his brother, but uh, same genetics, but different dad. So we get, we're given Drake... So Drake does a bit of training, we do a bit. We don't, and I don't rush my dogs. I don't believe in starting dogs early. We start them around about six, seven months old, let the maturity come in um, and grow up and then be um, more... They, there's their, their speed through their training better. And I don't believe in reward-based systems because I need more partnership. I need a massive partnership. You know, they have to have that respect. You have to be at one with each other. And I believe... Treat-based or reward-based systems are great for people who just don't quite know what they're doing. If you know how to get into the dog's mind and let the dog be your best mate, you get this this team effect, and that's highly important. If it's working for food, it's working for food, mm. and that can create problems when you come off it, or it's a false bonding. Mm. You know, I need a dog to be absolutely honest, and in that field, am I getting an honest dog if he needs to be treated? So I saw Drake's natural ability, and then it was a case of right harnessing it. And so he was he was your puppy living at home. With yeah, you? yeah. Well, no, he yeah. lived in the kennel. I don't, okay. None of my dogs live inside, you okay. know. But you know, he he comes out, he does his job, and he has this big raking area, probably about I don't know thirty, forty meter radius. But it was my job in his, as a handler or as a trainer to condense and shrink his hunting area and uh, modify his natural ability. So then we move on through basic training, we see a few things, and uh, I remember going to a test when he was 14 months old, we called a special puppy, and that basically means 12 to 24 months, and he was 14 months old, and he came second, and there were 40 entrants, and over half the field got zeros. So uh, he was showing a lot of natural ability at 14 Natural months. ability, but we had to get him over the line, we had to get him ready for trialling, and the dog's abilities normally rise between four and seven years of age were at their best, you know. Um, but Drake, I thought, well, do you know, we've got a novice, we can enter a novice trial. What made it worse? So this was after the special puppy? Yeah, this is now, this was, that was in April. So yeah. then we didn't do anything more with him. And then uh, we're coming up to September and we got the partridge season starting. I thought I'm going to enter some trials. And what made it worse is I knew he had the talent. I knew I had the talent. Could we effectively take a young dog out in a field and get the job done and win a novice trial before my knee operation, which was going to work Oh, no. <laughs> so it had to be done before the 12th of October. Yeah. So um, we go to the first trial, we enter, we get a run, and uh, he goes out on the third bird, 
and it wasn't his fault. He didn't have the experience, but he took a line. It was a uh, he took a line on a bird. It was hit. It was wounded, and he hunted like he did. He thought, "Come on, mate, you're going to pick this. You're going to pick this." And then he took a line through the walked-up line, and the judges decided he was taking the Michael. And I didn't. I thought he was. You know, I knew the dog. They don't know the dog. And I thought, this young dog, he's on something here. And they called me up, which basically means I have to call the dog back. Um, they tried another dog. He didn't pick it. But because I was sent straight away, there's a rule called first dog down. And if, you, and if they felt you had the best chance to pick that bird, you should have picked it. Uh, so, unfortunately, you're out. And that's the nature of trial. It's a knockout, you know. Right. And people don't like that, but that's it. So we went out, and I thought, oh, well, you know, we trained, and we dusted ourselves back off, and I knew... Yeah, I knew it was coming. I knew it coming. I thought. So then, on the same piece of ground, we get a runner. Get a phone call at eleven o'clock at night. We're uh, short of runners, Jace. I see you live on the on, on the ground. Do you want to run tomorrow? I said, Yeah, I'll bloody hell, too right. So I'm there. In the morning, spoke to my keeper, Norman. I said, I'm in the trial. He said, All right, boy, let's get on with it then. <laughs> so off we go. Uh, we go out. And in the first two rounds, the standard was appalling. People put a lot of effort in putting a field trial on. The secretaries, the keepers, the beaters, the, you know, all the people. And to see a lot of dogs go out in the first two rounds is quite sad because they're not ready. People aren't ready. Mm. So there's just me and a very good, nice good friend of mine called Phil Brute. And Drake was just doing his thing, picking and coming back, picking, hunting, coming back. And giving the line, stop on the whistle, looked at me, told him to hunt. Down goes his nose scurries around, picks the bird, comes back. And I thought, just keep coming. And then Phil Bruton made a, a, a mess up of a retrieve. He got the mark wrong and allowed the dog to overshoot by 60 yards. What do you yards. mean got the mark wrong? Well, the bird came down a lot closer than he thought, and the, bird, the dog overshot the bird. I thought, right, the difference between Phil and I, Phil, apart from that retrieve, every time he sent his dog, his dog goes straight to the floor, no handing from him, and picks Whereas I've had to send, stop, hunt, rummage around, picks. So, like for like, he should win. But because of the mess up he had on that retrieve, I thought, whoa, it's close. And that's what happened. So, Drakey won. So, in the operation, Drakey's won. <laughs> you know, so I'm now laid up for best part of uh, four months. You know, I wasn't allowed to walk on my leg for three months. I would have bet my mortgage on him. I just knew. I would have bet a million pounds on him. I just knew he had And it. how many dogs did you have before, Drake? He was my yeah, fifth bit. So you were getting better as a handler all the time? Yeah, because I was the uh, underkeeper for Norman, and we were taking out shooting to parties for, for gun dog training days, watching six dogs every day, doing six retrieves on live game. If you are unable to take on that information given to you on a plate, you, well, it was accelerated learning. So I had all that knowledge. Plus I had people around me, some of the best gun dog trainers ever to walk the planet. And so they used to take me out and train me. And if I did something wrong, the back of my head was slapped. <laughs> um, can't do that now, but hey, but you know, but you know, I, I had every opportunity. I took yeah, every opportunity. Take it all up. And so then the following year, back on my legs, I have now got a young dog and he knows so he nothing. would have been two now. Yes, but he knows nothing. Absolutely nothing. So my job then, I thought, right, I'm going to enter the tests now. So the most basic test form would be if somebody standing 100 yards out with a blank pistol, throwing a canvas dummy, which is about the size of your forearm, weighing about a pound, yeah. uh, and you would send your dog and pick it. And then there'd be different descriptions. So you could have a blind, in other words, 
your dog hasn't seen it, nor have you, but you're told an hour, you've got to go jump to it. So it could be okay. over a river, over a fence, in a wood. And all the time you're inching closer and closer to being an almost real, like a simulation Very of a much real That's exactly what you want to do. And you're putting the dog under pressure, you're putting yourself under pressure, and you're giving them experience. And that's the thing, giving them experience, right. especially in the competitive background, the, the, the background we need for that dog to go, do you know what, I'm going to step up, not step down. And so that year I took Flint and Drake to a number of tests. So Flint kept winning, you know. Just kept winning. Totally Everything. cracked the test. Oh, you know, so Flint kept winning, but Drake was this dog growing a little bit older, just learning a bit more, getting that experience, you know. And uh, <laughs> But we went to the uh, Worcester Open Working Test where finally Drake got an award and he got a certificate of merit, which basically means you're not in the top four places, but you've got such a high score, your dog is merited. And, then we and how were you feeling about them both at this point? It, you know, all, fl- uh, it, it was a passing of the baton. So we went to the LRC open water test and Flint won it. Typical, dropped one point. But Drake dropped two. And the nearest competitor was another professional trainer, not the far from Petersfield, was 12 points clear for me. I mean, Whoa, we just. That must have felt good, did that, Jason? Oh, it was amazing. You know, amazing. First and second, and, and all within three days. And uh, so then I was thinking, well, you know, and I started to establish myself down here. And uh, I thought, here we go. Here's the trial season. I've got this dog to the best of my ability. Um, let's see what happens. So when we go into the trial season, and it was just... The first trial we go to in Kidderminster, just unbelievable. It was just everything I asked him, everything he did was just on a level and there was three of us left standing but really it was it was between me and the great Sandra Halstead who made up countless field trial champions along with her husband John Halstead who was the the, the it was the granddad of the matriarch of the gundog world. We went on a bounce of four trials so I was thinking right we're, we're, that's it we are I've got my red cape on I've got my red <laughs> pants on and the boots and we are indestructible and the next four trials we got nowhere absolutely nowhere and the fourth trial I went to, Drake was on fire. We were out in front. There's nobody touching his skill base. Nobody. Everybody's struggling. Everything I asked him, he was doing. He was making it look so easy. And then we have ten handers going into the uh, third round. And there was a delay because the guns were having a long lunch. And the, the judge comes up to me and says, uh, we're going to have to drop you. See what? Uh, well, you made a mess of this retrieve through the hedge. I've never disputed a judge's decision ever in my life. And I walked up to a number of judges who were there competing. I said, what would you do? He said, I'd um, I'd go and have a chat. And I did, all politely. And basically, the nuts and cracks of it was, they got my dog confused with the other dog. Now, the other handler, who knew it was her fault, she said, "Um, I'll go and tell him. And I said, no, 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 that's your luck. I'll have my luck another day. Oh, well. And I just got in the car and drove home. And I was gutted, <laughs> absolutely gutted. I thought, we'd won this, we'd won this, and we hadn't. <laughs> Three days later, we go. <laughs> Still gets me quite emotional. <laughs> oh, bless you. Well, because the pressure was on. Because everybody said, it's Drake's home ground. Excuse me. I forgot how good he was. So what happened? We go to the home ground. Which was? Up in Evesham, it was, where, okay. you know, I was the underkeeper in Dormand. And I thought, you know, here we go, into Lion's Den. And that's how I thought it, you know. Um, 
And the first day, so many dogs failed to pick. Scenting was off. Dogs were trying. Some of the top handlers there in the country. And they just couldn't find the bird. They couldn't find it. The judges kept finding it. Because if there's no scent, you can't do anything about it. And these dogs are highly trained to find scent. But partridges have the ability, because they're ground nesting birds, to turn off scent. So how can you find what they can't smell? And that's because they're not really seeing their scenting. So if there's well, no scent... Well, if there's no scent, there's no scent. OK. If you can't see, you can't see. So what happened? So and we just went to another field, and I knew Drake's ability. And we, we, we've been training this, and I've been burying birds in grounds with the tiniest of holes or nothing. And when I said loss, which is my hunt command, or a whistle, I mean it's there. Now dig it out. Get your nose on the floor and dig it out and find it. Only six dogs made, uh, 24 dogs made the next day. So the next day, there's six of us left. And I, and I really thought to myself, wow, then there's five of us left. The most experienced handlers I'm up against, respected, and this most bizarre uh, morning of trialling, Never been in a trial like it, probably never will be, where every retrieve was better than the previous. Oh, wow. And everybody, you couldn't, you didn't go wrong. It was golden moment. And then the judges went, OK, we, we picked eight retrieves in total now. And normally that finished a two-day stake. And the judges came back saying, we're going to go for uh, another round. But everybody took a big gulp and nobody went out. And Tess Lawrence, who, you know, one of my my uh, idols, her dog made a slight mistake. So the door was ajar, but she made everything after that, you know, look amazing. And Drake kept picking her, and, and um, he, was just do- he was just doing it. So we get to this field, and here we go. And I think, oh, I just want to finish this two-day, and I've had so much rubbish over the last few trials. I just want to finish. So we go along, and this bird... This bird gets shot 40 yards in front, and then to my left, uh, at 10 o'clock, this bird gets hit. It goes over uh, a maze strip, about 50 yards away, sets its wings, and I have no idea it's gone. And I'm Quack! Nothing went, picked straight back. Come on! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, um, the the emotion um, and the intensity... Of that afternoon, I don't know what to say. And they read the um, normally the you always give the first place first, always because that's the winner. This was completely exceptional. Then mm. it was a first among equals kind of situation. Oh yeah, but what that does not only wins a two dayer, it qualifies you for the championship, which is the best of the best which is the biggest event in the world. So Drake had, in effect, qualified. You both had qualified yeah. to compete at the highest level. The highest level. And that was actually the prize, I suppose, at the end of yeah. being with some of the handlers that you respect best in the world. Oh, oh I'm not surprised. That was a big emotional old day. Wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. He the roller coaster doesn't stop. because <laughs> So we qualify... Phone calls, media, and it was just like, wow. So we go to Ampton. So it was only three. Yeah, we go to Ampton, the championship. So we had 60 something, 64 dogs qualify. It's a championship line, so you have 8 to 12 guns. 
and it's the best of the best. So that was going to be on the Tuesday. So on the Saturday, I go pick it up, do a little bit of work, Drake. Bit of practice. Yeah. Things go wrong quite last day, last drive of the day. Drake launched himself over a fence and zips his sheath and penis and uh, in his scrotum from top to tail. And uh, I'm like, oh, Christ. So uh, my stepmom was a vet nurse and um, she said, let's have a look and we'd have a look in the morning because he was filthy. And I thought, ah. So on Sunday, he gets operated. This was over the weekend? That was on the Sunday. And the trial was on the Tuesday? Yeah. So we go. He's on painkillers, he can't pee very well, so he's constantly... So we're monitoring his dehydration, but, but on, you know, but he's, it's hurt for him to pee. So we go to Hampton, never let a dog in my room, ever in my life. For Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, he was in my room. <laughs> we do day one, and I made a... It's foggy, and I thought... I, I, I mean, I warned him up in the morning, and I thought, oh, can he run? Could I run if I was like that? Were you feeling a bit conflicted at the moment? Yes, very. Because you've had mate. that injury, you've got this amazing bond. Yeah. But Christy, my stepmom, she was she was brilliant because it's her experience, her knowledge of, what, 30, 40 years of gun dogs. I'm relying on that information, you yeah. know, and she was so supportive. Day one, highly, fo- well, warm him up, and I didn't know if he could pick or anything for throw a dummy out. Bloody hell, he charged out and picked it out. I thought, good boy, good boy. Did a bit of stop whistle work with him. And, and he was back. looking good. Yeah, he looked good, yeah. he looked sharp. So I thought, well, he's on painkillers, so, you know. Uh, fog, heavy fog and mist. Can't see your dog, can't okay. direct it. And um, all the retrieves would be long distance. No room for error. But when Drake picked his first bird, what people realised, way back in the distance, a gun had shot three birds, or two of them shot three birds. And Drake clocked it with his, with his bird in his mouth coming back to me. He turned and had a glance and then made his way back to me and he'd give me the bird and, and I was now waiting for my next retrieve. And Peter then sent his dog out to a closer area of where those birds came down and I suddenly got my, my vision, my depth perception sorted. Pete sends his dog, picks it. Right, OK, Jace, uh, same area, um, 200 yards back there, there's two birds left. Righto, line him up fires him out like an exocet, jumps over this hedge, gets there, and I put the whistle to my mouth thinking, I'm going to stop him in a minute. But this is we talk about natural ability. Mm. He just drops his head, slows right up, and I thought, he's got this, because he's seen it. He was 100 yards closer at the time. He knows so where he's going. So far from being a mistake, that glance earlier was an indication that he could see. Yes, and he's doing everything right. I don't need to interfere. He hasn't asked for any help. He's in the area. It's a question of whether he can find the scent and um, comes back with it. <laughs> well, I didn't touch him. Anyway, um, Peter Allen, the judge, just went, wow, I went, and walked off. Day one finished. Day two, I pick up an A-, minus, which isn't good. But I thought I was gone, and then I picked these two amazing trees, a hare 80 yards out, which you never saw, and a, and a, and a, and a pheasant. But now, there's 12 hours left, I've made the final day. The biggest competition ever! <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, come on, Drakey! <laughs> and I just, found, I just found that we were um, totally, uh, we, we were on song, on song. And uh, we picked the first bird, and we were like, come on, Drakey boy. And then our luck fell out. Um, 
uh, a sequence of events ended up us picking a, a, a blind retrieve. Unfortunately, landed in some nettles. Right. In a right big clump of nettles. So he's shaven underneath. Uh, oh, no. So he goes in. He, he, he only gets in halfway. He's stunned to hell. He just goes flat. And so I get caught up. And the judge says to me, he said, uh, where's, where's your dog? I said, he's probably in the burn cooling himself off. And there he was in the stream cooling himself off because he was stunned to high heaven. Oh, bless. That was it. Over. Our championship over. Made the last eight dogs. All we had to do is pick that bird. We had the water retreat to do. We would have finished for three days. We would not have won it. We would have won it, walked away with a lovely award. But hey-ho. The nature of the This is basically the Olympics of golf. This dogs, is it. This it? is it. There's nothing yeah. better. Yeah. You know... He anchored England home twice okay. in Anglesey um, in 2018, 2019, um, and won the Cornish field trial. Um, and pretty much since then, he's won, I think it's 46 or 48 field trial awards. That sounds a lot to me. That's an awful lot. Yeah. There are people in their lifetime who haven't won that. You know, it's pure teamwork. I mean, the other day we had him out, didn't we? You know, um, and he still rolled back the ears. Still wants to work. Bit slow on the way back, but the most incredible dog. Can I meet him? You want to, yeah, come on. Yeah, out. I'd love to. Do you want to go? Yeah. So it's quite late. The light's starting to go, isn't it? And uh, we're wandering out to the kennels. Hello. Oh. Drake. Drake. Oh wow. Hello, Drake. Is this Drake? So he's um. Oh. He's a bit old now. He looks very fit, though, Jason. Cuddles. Drakey, cuddles. Cuddles, cuddles, cuddles. But he's just... Um, he's had half his ear amputated, you know, and... Um, Why? Oh, barbed wire, you know, he's just... I didn't think about that, the kind of physical kind of side yeah, of audio it. Yeah, so sit, sit. So he's lost... You can see this ear here, he's lost... Yeah. that one. Yes. And he's just, he likes a groom. He loves all this. Uh, he's just, well, he's just an old boy now, aren't you, boy? Eh? And there's his white dot, which nobody, which is a, called the Drakey Streak. <laughs> and he's just a most friendly, friendly dog. He's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, Hello, you, a little grey, a little bit of a distinguished grey. <laughs> yeah. Hello, gorgeous. Oh, all of the dogs are sitting to attention, amazingly. So they're all eyes on Jason. Yeah, they seriously are all eyes on Jason. Wow. So you've got your stop whistle. What are you going to... I'm going to throw it over the hedge. Yeah. And then uh, we'll let him pick the first one. Okay. And then we'll stop him before the, 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 the fence. So I'll throw it over the top. Clap my hands like a gunshot. Get over. No hesitation. Oh my gosh, he jumps straight over the fence, straight over back. What's he finding there? There you are. He's jumping over again. Talk me through it, Jason. So he's basically, he's got the, the dummy we've thrown out, he's going to jump over the top and come back, he's going to deliver it to hand. So here he comes. So remember, this dummy represents a bird, I want it to deliver to hand, I don't want it to drop, yeah. because if it's wounded, it's going to run off. So, you know, it means me get trying to chase after a bird, so everything must come to hand. And as you can see, there's no indentation on the dummy. So this time now I'm going to stop him. So I'm going to do a single blow on the whistle before the jump. So I'm throwing it back over the fence. Gumak! And that's 
Hunting and him as now. Jason does that, Hunting him. he's nose down, looking around, following instructions. So I'm pretending there's another bird out somewhere else. He's just getting on with it. And he's trusting you he's that trusting there's a bird, you. even though he hasn't seen so it. So in a minute, I'm going to stop him again and say, loss, loss. I'm going to stop him in a minute and say, do you know what, it's not there. I'll move him back to the bird. Get over. Oh, straight over the fence again. Stopping, and he looks straight and back And there you go. Oh, he's so f- fleet of foot. The pace at which he went off when you first casted with your hand and showed him which yeah. way... I mean, the thing is, though, you know, and and, and what it is, it's that trust. So if I just line him up now, I haven't thrown a dummy out this time. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to hunt him in that area. And then what I'm going to do when he's not watching, he's going to throw a dummy out before the the jump. And I'm going to bring him back over and hunt and try and find this dummy back near our feet. Okay. All right, so here we go. Take it. Get over. No hesitation. So that's my hunt whistle. Given, see, notice he's not running around like a headless chicken. He's being quite methodical. He's hunting in a circle, and he's just getting on with it, trying to find it, trying to work, find that scent. Instead of hoping to find that scent, he's working to find that scent. As you can see, tail wagging, nose down, and he's cracking on with it. So I've just thrown that second dummy out. I'll stop him in a second, and then bring him back. That's amazing. And there you go. That's amazing. When you can see it so clearly and you can see the lines that you're sending him on and how systematically he's working it. So it's an imaginary line. So if you think, if you stand in the middle of a compass or middle of a clock face and you dissect the ground um, like the hour hand and say, I'm going to send him at 12 o'clock, I'm going to send him at 1 o'clock and send him, that's how you're this imaginary line. And if you want to see something special... Great. Come on. Come on. Finn, Finn. Oh, this is my prodigy, Finn. No, okay. no breeding relation. He's, uh... He's, uh... Finn is seven months old. He's right. my next big hope. Um, oh, he's very gangly and teenage, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Seven months old. Sit. Um, no stock whistle. Um, and we talk about hunting, don't we? The, the desire, the, the want to hunt... Um, so this is what I think could be one of the best dogs I've ever trained, or about to train. So, uh, and you'll see why, because I'm going to throw this little tiny dummy, which is probably so that's about... that's what, eight inches, six yeah, inches? Six, six inches. inches. Um, it's only about an inch wide. And there's no colour. No colour, like a... so I wanted to really work, and he's got to use his, all his senses. And uh, only about, what, 25 yards away, there is a longer patch of grass, which we keep, um, to make him hold an area. So I'm going to keep him sat there. Now, he clocked it. I'm going to pull him off it. Go back. Now, he's going to hold that area and he's just hunt for it. He's just hunt, naturally hunt. And he's got nose so down. hear him grunting. From side to side. Yeah, he's not taking the Michael. He's just running around, working to find that scent. Not hoping, working. Where is it? It's in here somewhere. And there we go. Good boy. Good boy. Dead. And, that, yeah, and that's what I want to see. That's what it's about. You know, I want him to work and find instead of just running around, taking in the whole field. You know, if you run around the whole field, some point, somewhere, 
he'll come across scent. That's not what I want. Yeah. Work to find it. Stay in that sock drawer. Find me that sock. <laughs> Good boy. He's gorgeous. Coffee. Well, I hope you enjoyed meeting Drake and Jason and Anna and all the other dogs. It was an amazing evening standing in the fading light watching him uh, demonstrate and show what Drake and the others could do. The, The connection was almost visible. You know, their eyes were on Jason the whole time and it was really clear that they utterly adore him. And as you could hear in the interview, it's entirely mutual because um, Jason absolutely crackers about the dogs. You know, no nonsense, and the the connection's very strong. It was lovely to see. And I couldn't help thinking, I have a beagle, but if I had a Labrador or Retriever, flat coat, those sorts of dogs for whom gun gun training is very, very appropriate, um, I would definitely consider that. And it's interesting how many of the dogs that I speak to have undertaken some kind of gun dog class at some point. Um, When we spoke to police dog Didi, the Belgian Malinois, back in February, um, the companion general purpose dog, Ruby, had been a gun dog and hadn't really had the qualities to excel as a gun dog but was doing really well as a police dog and I hope in the next few months uh, to be talking to a model you didn't know or didn't think did you uh, that we could find working dogs who were working as model actress whatever (laughs) and this very beautiful very successful dog that I'm hoping to be interviewing actually started out with gun dog training because it's such a great base for general obedience and also obedience over a distance so um, I'm hoping that we'll speak to her a little bit later on now you can find photos and some more information on Drake and Jason and gun classes and that kind of thing on our website um, it's shineradio.uk forward slash dogs with jobs and onwards and upwards our next episode will be the last Tuesday of September hopefully next month I'm either going to be introducing a drug sniffer dog working in schools and big events or possibly a sporting dog Um, and I have yet to come a wonderful therapy dog who works with a very particular type of client that needs some really special skills which I think you're going to find as fascinating as I do in the meantime have a great month uh look out for the episode in september i'm going to try and get a lot more active on social media i haven't really put much effort into that yet but i will so find us on facebook twitter and um, do follow us and keep the introductions coming have a great month and i'll be back at the end of september Rise and shine with Petersfield's Shine Radio. Rise and shine. shine. Whatever local information comes in, you'll be the very first to know. You'll feel those ribs expand. And I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Are you doing it? Yeah. Welcome back to Rise and Shine. You're with Alan Cost this morning. What could be better? Good morning. It's good to be with you. I'm Harrison RB. It's the brighter way to start your day in the Petersphere. As long as you're breathing, you're doing okay. I'm with you, Vicky. Rise and shine, weekday mornings from six, with Petersfield's Shine Radio. I think that's lovely.